Welcome back to the show. Hi, everybody. Today we have Dr. Michelle Thompson. I'm really excited about this interview because she she spans a couple industries, I guess. Is it called an industry? Yeah, it's kind of an industry. <laughs> she spans a couple industries, has her own business, cannot wait to hear about her transition and of course hear about her work in the world as well. So Michelle, thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's jump right in and talk about your academic background. If you want to kind of discuss anything you studied or, you know, dreams as a kid growing up, you know, how you knew you, what you knew you wanted to be, anything like that, we just like to kind of trace that educational path. Excellent. So um, I'll start here that I'm the daughter of Jamaican immigrants and um, immigrants are good for you will grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer or an mm. accountant full stop. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that the PhD world was really a thing. Um, so I, I, science was not my thing. So I was like, I'll be a lawyer. Very well. Are you happy mm. now? <laughs> so <laughs> I went to, but of course I did it my way. So I went to university of Iowa for law school. And I, after I graduated, I secured a fellowship to do public interest work. And mm. I, provided legal services to people with AIDS um, mm. for the first two years out, um, out from law school, which was a really important time at, the, at that point. It was right at when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. So I felt like I was mm -hmm. doing work that was at, right at the cutting edge. Um, and then I um, negotiated collective bargaining agreements with uh, Healthcare Local for a while. But I had... so. Back to the Jamaica theme. Um, my mother is the descendant of runaway slaves in Jamaica called Maroons. And the first two historical narratives I heard were that we were never slaves. And the second one was um, all of the black people killed the white people in Haiti. And mm. like, like, since I was, you know, knee high to a grasshopper, excuse the expression, but um, those were the yeah. first two things I heard. And the, like they, I, they just would kind of leave me alone. I'm practicing law, and I wouldn't leave me alone. And I met my partner, mm. who is also who also has a doctorate and was a full professor at a midwestern school. And she was offered a position at NYU, and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is my time to just kind of get this thing out of my head. So mm. um, I started. I started with a master's degree, and then I got into their doctoral program. And so my research focuses on 19th century Jamaica and how. Um, Maroons who, who Jamaica tried to legislate off the face of the earth actually kept their communities and land holdings intact. So that's my academic background. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing that. And really, that's a really cool journey as well to hear. Um, coming to academia a little late in life is a theme we've had later in life, I should say, not straight out of college is a theme right. we've definitely covered on the show. Um, so then where does the business world enter in? So you've done both. You've had these amazing accomplishments. You've gone far in the education system, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, probably a type A personality. Right? <laughs> a little, just I'm a little, just a little, right? It. Just a little. <laughs> so if you want to share a little bit about you know, that some of that maybe decision to actually start serving both of those audiences that you probably know really well. Yeah, I so I graduated in 2012. And I adjuncted for a year and I couldn't decide that I actually wanted to hop on the tenure track. Mm -hmm. I was I was really discouraged, actually. You know, it's funny, no one ever tells you that 
and I tell people this now, but no one ever tells you that it's not unusual to feel kind of depressed and mm. defeated after so you finish true. a doctorate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you've mm-hmm. done this huge thing. You've gotten a draft of a book for whatever that's worth. And, you know, whatever tells you that, yeah, often people feel really depressed and defeated afterwards. And I think I yep. did. So I like adjuncted for a year and I actually got to a point where I was I was thinking about maybe I should just kill myself because I can't pay my bills. I don't see mm. where this is going and I don't see how I would get support to make this happen. And um, so, and then I, you know, then the gear started turning because I have, I have a son who's now 15, but uh, what's the math? Um, at the time he was, uh, I can't, add eight eight he was eight mm. and i looked at him and like that's not the legacy i want to leave him with mm. so um i started thinking you know i love journalism i actually do love journalism i was like okay maybe i can become a journalist and then i realized that journalism was having the same sinking ship that academia was on <laughs> like uh-huh. not you know they weren't they were hiring people for little or nothing who had major skills and i'm like are you kidding me i have a doctorate i can write until the cows come home <laughs> And you're going to put me in an entry-level job? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I was literally in the bathroom. I had the thought, like, I, I've been in this project, and I've been using my listening skills like crazy the, like, all my life. Wouldn't it be nice if I actually could deploy that in a way that would help other people and I could actually earn money? And I got up, I, I got to my computer, and in my inbox was, you can get a scholarship to learn how to become a coach. And I was like... Oh! Oh! Wow! Oh! That—that—that's what I was looking for. I didn't know that's what like I do. I couldn't have told you I wanted to be a coach, but I was like, that's it. That's it. And the rest, I guess, they, as they say, is history. That's when I decided I'll learn how to become a coach, and I set up my business um, alongside. Of, I still do teach part time, um, but that—that's okay. when I started doing both. Oh, I love that. And you have no recollection of getting on anyone's mailing list or anything like that. It just happened to be in your inbox. I was in a, what is, oh, yeah, yeah. What is, so there's this, um, there is a newsletter, AB, all but ABD something, that, that newsletter. You know oh, what I'm talking about? I kind of remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. it was like ABDSG or something like that. And that uh-huh, was the newsletter uh-huh. that came in my inbox. I was like, oh. you're speaking to me. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Okay, so that that says a lot about, too, just recognizing that, well, first of all, the touching on mental health as it relates to academia is is another thing that we've talked about for yes, sure on the show absolutely. as well. And part of the reason actually even why this podcast exists is to let people realize that there are other ways of doing and being in the world that are outside of maybe being in an institution. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm, yeah, so I'm curious. So I know that I know those moments, right? They're the turning point moments where you're like, oh, wow, this felt like it was sent to me. And then you started down that path. Mm-hmm. When did you... Um, I don't, Or maybe you want to talk a little bit about those early years as well. Because I also like to paint a picture about what it's like to start a business mm. when you're leaving something that you've known and worked really hard for your whole life right. um, into this other uncharted territory. So maybe if you want to talk about you know, where you went for help or mentorship. It sounds like you got into this program and so you had that guidance. What were those kind of early years in your business like? So um, I so I did the year of uh, doing the coaching training and I'm kind of sad that mm-hmm. I actually didn't do it in graduate school. <laughs> but, you know, you mm. do things when you're ready for them, right? I probably, mm-hmm. if this showed up in my, maybe it did. But if it had shown up while I was in graduate school, I would have been like, I don't have time for that. And I would have moved on anyway. But yeah. um <laughs> 
I so I did the year training and I'm I you know I got the website. I you know, I bought the website from Michelle Dion Thompson.com and mm-hmm. I never thought in my life I'd be making a website. And I'm kind of like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so now what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and a friend of mine here in New York, actually our sons are like a month apart from each other. So our sons are lifelong friends. Ha- went to high school with somebody who was a business coach. Mm. And so she told me, you should follow her. I was like, okay, good. Oh, so it's, it's Britt Bolnick um, of In Arms Coaching. And um, okay. I followed her and she at that time was running a course called how, what was it called? How to find clients without feeling douchey or something like that. It was like a two week yes. course. And, um, yeah. That, she's, but that's why, that's why I kind of humor. I'm like, I'm there. Right. <laughs> so I did the course and then she had a, and then she had a program that I signed up with and I'm like, I'm all in. Cause this mm. is, I don't have a plan B. It doesn't have, you know, I have a partner who can hold down everything, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to take off right away, but I'm not going to do this by myself. And I'm not just going to sit here and you know flail around and try to build a business. I want to know the concrete and specific things I need to do. And then you know what you don't know at the time when you sign up with people is that and and to deal with the inner demons that you have that'll keep you from sure. screwing up. Yep. So um, that's what I wanted to do. And I've been I've actually I can't imagine running this business without her. I, I can't imagine. Mm. Yeah, I just can't. Like she has been a guiding light for me as I build my business. Oh, that's awesome. We'll definitely link to her work too. So if anyone else is intrigued, um, cool. So when did you decide that you wanted to help lawyers and academics? That and, was and maybe my, you want to tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah, that was too. always my business model. I um, okay. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out my way in here, but um, I figured that's what I've done. That's what I know, mm. <laughs> and that's who I'm serving. Um, Fair enough. You know, it's like it, it's um, you know, it's. You, you teach what you need to know, but also what you've yeah. been through. <laughs> um, and that's what I decided to do. I would, I would help people. I wanted, I felt very committed to making sure that people in both of those industries did not completely burn themselves out. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw my mental health, my own mental health meltdown um, yeah. in spite, and I have a lot of support around me. It's not like I'm walking around like, totally isolated in the world, right? I have a lot of support mm-hmm. and I could see that for myself. Um, and I had talked to far too many women who said, yeah, I was, especially women of color, I've been hospitalized because I was trying to get tenure and blah, blah, blah. Like you just hear mm-hmm. over and over and over again. I'm like, mm-hmm. this makes absolutely no sense. And um, for either for either fields, right? And we don't have, you know, God knows we don't have enough lawyers doing the kind of work that mean something to people's lives as opposed to corporate lives. And I, and I feel very committed to making sure that the women who do that work don't burn out. I mean, the other thought I had was like, I was earning 40,000 a year and working 80 hours a week um, when I was doing, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I was doing public interest work. Right. And it's too much. It was too much. You know, I actually, Mm -hmm. part of, part of my decision to leave law was that I wanted to have a child and I couldn't figure out, how in God's name that was going to happen under those circumstances. Like that just doesn't look like yep. a feasible life. And I don't, I felt like it didn't make sense for people to have to make those particular kinds of choices. Mm. Michelle, uh, <laughs> I'm curious how you help people and, and what you offer them and what they, what they look for in you and your services. Like what, what, 
services do you provide to help Um, people? So on the academic side, I provide lots of writing support and individual and group coaching. Mm. So the writing support is to get people to actually set up, you know, we act, I think when we go to graduate school, I think uh, the people I've worked with, they, there was definitely a sense of either you've got it or you don't. Mm, for sure. And that doesn't really help. And I'm first generation to any of this, right? First generation mm-hmm. lawyer, first generation PhD, first person with a BA in my family, mm-hmm. right? And um, that that's not helpful. So I... That's actually a story about how I started doing writing support. I had made a brief decision that I'm going to go in the job market. And um, there was Mm. a school in Philly that wanted a 20-page writing sample. And I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. And I looked at this dissertation chapter and I'm like, "Mm, it's 40 pages. I don't really know what to do with this at all. And I, I didn't apply for the job, but I've, uh, like not soon after soon after I made that decision, someone had posted um, Wendy Laura Belcher's "How to Write Your Journal" article in twelve weeks, and I'm like, that's how I write this article. That's mm. how I do this. That's how I get a twenty page writing sample. Um, and that actually that book is actually the fundamental. Um, I will call it the Bible of my writing program, mm. Get a Life and Write, that you can actually systematize what you do and look for particular things and actually get the writing done insane amounts of, t- amounts of time. You don't need to be writing eight hours a day to actually accomplish what no. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of that. That's the, that's the most writing support that I provide, but I also provide retreats and writing challenges and stuff like that just to get people to break down what they're doing in small bits as mm-hmm. they move along so they're not feeling really stressed out and like it's completely impossible. Um, for lawyers, it's more executive coaching to get them to evaluate what they're mm. doing um, in their careers. Is this where they want to be? Where do they want to be in 20 years? And how are you going to get there? That's the kind of support mm. I provide lawyers. Cool. Is it hard? Do you find it hard to market to two different audiences? It's challenging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've I've had this before because for... But yeah, whatever. With academics being business, I think I was like, well, how do I like market to that and then entrepreneurs? And we've also had a couple of students in our program um, ask similar questions. Yeah. So I can imagine it being challenging. But have, you know, are you kind of part of me thinks, zooming out for a second, is that there are similarities in this journey of like, you know, working really hard, going to school, earning a degree, accomplishing something, and then ending up in a job that you're not really taught exactly how to thrive in. And so then you can kind of speak to both worlds a little bit. But I'm curious if you had any insight or thoughts about having two avatars or two, you know, people to speak to if you've learned anything along the way. It is I I will I will admit it has been challenging. I've been I put mm-hmm. most, I think the easiest place for me to pick up has been the academic side. And I've mm. been doing more and more with the legal side and with the understanding that it's going to go. I've learned a lot from marketing to academics and it's going to go sure. more slowly because I'm going to be hearing. I mean, I don't uh. think my instinct, I mean, I was a lawyer. <laughs> I know their lives, mm-hmm. right? I don't think my instincts about what lawyers need is wrong, but how they need to hear it is going to shift. Um, mm. And I'm also. I'm still I'm still feeling my way into the venues where I can get around lawyers and tell them what I do, right? Oh, and yeah. That, and those are two completely sense. different animals. That um, makes sense. So yep. I I mean part of it, part of my 
concerned. I mean, I, I'm building a business and I'm trying not to be like, but the Amazon and Africa and Alaska and the Arctic yeah. are burning. And so I'm going to bed for the rest of my yep. life. Okay, bye. I'm, I'm trying not to do that. So I do a <laughs> lot of, um, I'm doing more social change work in my community where mm. I live. But that's also mm-hmm. been a way, in a way it's cross-fertilizing, right? Because I'm also meeting lawyers sure. who are doing who have access to the people I want to have access to and I'm building relationships with them. Um, I've actually gone to bar association things for the first time in years because <laughs> it's been a minute yeah. since I left. Right. And meeting lawyers that way and meeting recruiters and talking to them about what they need. So the people, the kinds of institutions I'm going to are actually very, very different. Every once in a while there's crossover mm. between lawyers who are also academics. Right. And that yeah. kind of hits, that's yep. a sweet spot of both people. But, um, but I, but I am, like I am foraying into, I, I can see that to get the person who's just doing the 80 hours a week is a very different foray. And that's, and that's what I'm learning. And yeah, I can imagine that's, that's what that is. Have you experienced any maybe pushback from lawyers who, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but my interpretation of a lawyer is somebody who comes out of law school and, and wants to practice law, but then they are, thrown into running a business like they have to run the law firm as a business mm. is that true or not i'm not it's, really well okay so there are the people who are working in government and people who are working on in, in non-profits and their lives are actually remarkably different which doesn't mean that they don't work that hard but it's they're they're the business end of it is different for people who end up going mm. to firms they actually start you know it's a little like the tenure process they start hmm. as associates assistant professors and that they're doing a lot of work for partners and they don't actually have to concern themselves if they're in a firm they don't have to concern themselves with the business end of it until they make a partner which takes about five to seven years Mm. the the analogies are Mm -hmm. frightening um (laughs) on the other hand if you're a lawyer who decides to just go with a as a solo practitioner off the bat yes there are the challenges of running a business and practicing a lot at the same time. Although, and I would have to say that, I mean, the people who do it, I'm not sure that's the smartest way to start practicing law because just the learning, I mean, yes, you've spent all this time and money learning. Law schools actually are in a conundrum, right? They don't, they haven't oriented themselves to how to be a lawyer. And I know that sounds completely crazy, Mm. but what you're taught is how to read case law and make sense of it and how to make arguments for clients based on that but you actually you're not doing the client work and lawyer and law firms in the past two to two to five years have actually started to try to shift how they approach legal education so people are learning how to practice law um but it does mean that people graduate without having worked with clients understanding about like talking to them about what their store, why why are they showing up in your office? What do they need help with? Mm -hmm. How do you attune what the legal, what their legal challenges are with actually what the law says? So these are like fundamental nuts and bolts that lawyers haven't been really getting in law school and you actually have to practice for a while to make sense of it. And that's why it actually makes sense to practice in other settings before you set up shop by yourself. Mm. It's kind of like a, a mentorship, I guess. Yeah, that's very parallel to academia. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, I, we don't. I, I think lawyers probably don't think of themselves that way, but it's true. It's very, very similar to academia. 
So I'd like to kind of go into maybe the future of your business, if you don't don't mind. mind (laughs) I know as we're, yeah, as we're recording this, it's, you know, September, 2019, it's kind of like the new January maybe. (laughs) Um, And I'm curious what kind of goals you have for, for your business, like what kind of impact you want to make? I, there are, there are a couple of them. Number one, I really do want to keep diving deep in on the lawyer end of things. And one of the ways that my mm-hmm. coach has gotten me out of my way is to actually do this cross fertilization, put myself in environments where I'm around lawyers and actually just be very free Sorry. and clear about what I'm talking about. So um, that mm-hmm. that is actually uh, networking. I hate that word, but it's what I have to do. I know, right? But it, it's right? true. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. actually um, the immediate thing that I'm focused on and to keep watching how the systems I've set up for my business and the offers mm. that I've set up for clients on the academic side, just to watch them work and do their thing. Um, mm. But I mean, right now it's Michelle Dion Thompson coaching and consulting. Um, I do want to move it into what I call a resistant vision, like to actually set up a business mm. where I'm, I, where my coaching assistance is actually, how do we get people to work differently fundamentally and mm. uh, that on a micro level and on a macro level to actually mm-hmm. help people to get, be all in on social change because you know the arctic is burning mm. when i said i mean mm-hmm. when i when i envisioned resistant vision it wasn't about the arctic but um, but mm-hmm. now it's like it's like we we need all hands on deck and you know academics yep. and lawyers are good places to do this work right academics know yeah. about data mm-hmm. and what the things we need to do are and actually can put that forward and there's a way that lawyers can actually implement some of the stuff and um yeah. yeah i want my community to be all in all on deck because we're in a bit of a show mm-hmm. to be put lightly that's what we can call this episode <laughs> 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 Sometimes the title just pops out. No. Um, yeah. And I, I, I never thought about that. Like you're that, that dual, you know, degree, that dual industry thing that you've talked that you have, like you're in such a unique position um, because you're a bridge between those worlds. And yeah, with social change work, you need someone to move the slow institutional change with law. And then you need the people doing the research and, um, you know, telling you which way to drive yes, the ship. Exactly. So that's a exactly. really cool way of looking at it. Awesome. So um, this has been really fun talking to you. I don't know if you have any, maybe it would be cool to end with like some advice with like that you wish you had when you were venturing out into this business thing. Maybe it's an academic sitting in an office listening to this right now or a lawyer who's, I don't know, listening on their commute if they found the time in their week, but um, they're debating starting some sort of side hustle or something like that. What kind of advice would you give them at that early stage? You know, it's just one step at a time and it can be a very, very small step, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to have the entire business plan or like, <laughs> I know exactly all the people. I'm gonna, no, it's just like one small step in the direction you're going. Like you don't want your side hustle to be as stressful as the work you do every day. You want it to be mm-hmm. something you love. I love stepping into my business and doing my work. I love it. Yeah, that's where we're right. here, right? You have exactly. to love it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Michelle, where can people find you online? You can find me. There's my website, michelledeonthompson.com. So Michelle with two L's, Dion with two N's with an E at the end. And um, Or you can find me on the Twitters at um, the Twitters. M. Dion Thompson or on Facebook. And I say this and I'm like, what is that webpage? I think it's Michelle Dion Thompson <laughs> Life Coach. It's actually tech, it's like what you have to enter um, to find me on facebook cool we got the links we'll yeah, put we'll them have in excellent. yeah all the links sure. in the show notes <laughs> awesome well thanks so much for coming and sharing your wisdom oh, with us welcome. and thanks um, for hopefully me. inspiring yeah, other people as well i look forward to keeping up with your work in the world and having you on again this has been really fun thank you i appreciate it i love being with you guys